The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Yes, it is the APC podcast from AcmePackingCompany.com and SB Nation talking about your NFC championship game bound Green Bay Packers. Um, We're going to get some help previewing that game in a couple minutes from our good friend Paul Noonan um, of the Reporting as Eligible podcast. But first, let's get some final thoughts on the Packers. Very solid, very fun victory over the Rams. I'm Zach Rapport at Zach Rapport on Twitter. Follow the show at the APC pod. Um, and to take one last look at this game, I am joined by my esteemed colleague uh, with his classy white wine as ever out in Brooklyn. It's Alex Patakis. How are you, man? I'm doing quite well. Not really in the wine mood, but I had to keep it going. Um, you know, just being a little superstitious about the playoffs right now. So another glass of Greek wine here for you as we record this, hoping for the same result we got on Sunday I'm, or Saturday. Um, I might be jinxing us because I'm drinking water as we record this, but it's about 4 p.m. local time for me. I got to get some work done after this. And if I crack open the Buffalo Trace now, it's a slippery slope. Yeah, you had one post game, at least. I kept that tradition alive, too, um, from from the clinching game, a little scotch after the game uh, in honor of the MVP and soon to be NFC champion Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Um, Yes. So. All of our drinks are in order. We got that sorted out. What else is going on? Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a, we're in the middle of a windstorm here in Albuquerque. Uh, I don't know if it's officially wind season yet, but we've had like 24 hours of like, hopefully we can't hear it on my microphone, but it's like gusting wind and like metal creaking in the distance, like very ominous, crazy, crazy wind here. <laughs> Those are real things, huh? Like that's yep. your... Every every place is in like some type of risk range for some crazy natural occurrence, and yep. and those are yours. Yep, just, wind, <laughs> wind, uh, crazy crazy wind, and also hail. There was like a legendary hailstorm here a couple of years ago that destroyed about every roof in town. <laughs> so, oh wow, batting down the hatches for whenever the next time that happens. Now that I'm a homeowner, <laughs> yeah, hope you got home insurance, as I'm sure you do. Yeah. <laughs> It's, uh, let's not uh, test it right away. Huh? No, let's not. Let's not find out what that phone number is for a, for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Um, let's get into our our note nugs here as we kind of take one last look at, at this game. Um, 
Tweet at us after every game at the ABC pod. Hashtag note nugs with your bite sized takeaway. Um, I'll go first. I think, you know, after Tex and I complained a little bit uh, in our recap pod about the third quarter slump on offense, um, and that's something that we've done all season long. Um, I thought more about sort of the entitled town moniker. And so I wanted to double back and like make sure that we put into perspective how cool Saturday's win was. I mean, the best defense in football by many measures uh, in the Rams uh, hadn't given up, I believe hadn't given up 400 yards to any team all year. And the Packers hang almost 500 yards on them. Uh, you know, they're really maybe like two slightly better passes away from dropping like 40 points on this Rams defense. So I just want to make sure that that we all know that although, um, you know, we, we we've got to find some things to complain about or it wouldn't be sports talk. Uh, you really couldn't have asked for a better performance from this Packers offense. And special is the word that we've hammered over the last few weeks. And I just feel like Saturday was special. So I want to make sure we don't lose sight of that. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely was a great experience um, in general. You know, I, I it's just special is 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 the perfect word. We've, like you said, we've been talking about it nonstop. I mean, uh, I don't know if you can describe your day, but I, if my day on Sunday went exactly like my Saturday went, I don't think I could ask for much more than that. You know, just getting to create like some memorable experiences with the people you watch with or with yourself or the people you're interacting with online. Some memorable throws from Aaron Rodgers, some memorable moments in the game. Um, you know, we're, I think we're the podcast that probably has to say this like the most and it's so stupid and people are probably sick of it, but like, we are so lucky to get another meaningful game of Aaron Rodgers playing like this. And I don't know if we're getting more years of it. I think we, we might, I think last year when we were talking around this time, we didn't think so. Um, but man, it's so cool. Um, it was such a fun day in general. Yeah. And you got to watch the game with, uh, with your buddy, Nick. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So we've watched a, a good portion of the season together again, just pooling all email addresses, personal and professional, uh, to get free trials that aren't nationally <laughs> televised games for the direct TV streaming service. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we, we went over there. That was really cool. Uh, made like a bunch of different appetizers. Um, you know, did some drinking, did the scotch afterwards, and just kind of kept kept going with what's been working. So, and, so, and, and Nick as well goes back to your uh, your days. He's a coworker of yours from ESPN Milwaukee as well, right? So that's like uh, some more special memories there, getting to do that here at this point in New York. Yep, yeah. He had a uh, a moment of reflection uh, where he posted on Instagram a picture of us, uh, like you know, then and now, or whatever you call it. How how it. What is it? What is that? How it started, how it's going, Yeah, how it started and how it's going. <laughs> wow. I'm old already. Um, yeah. And how, how it, it was, was like and how it is to be. And uh, yeah, how it started was like a photo of us on Lambeau field with like our credentials, like the first game we ever went to. And then how it was going was both of us just like wasted on his couch <laughs> and looking sloppy watching the game on very TV. much, very much no longer credentialed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Super not credentialed. Um, so that was our path. Uh, the third person covering that game with us, other than Jason Wildey, was Sarah Barshop, who is now the uh, uh, Texas reporter for ESPN yep, uh, Network. Yep. So uh, a <laughs> uh, different path, but a great one nonetheless. What's uh, what's your uh, note nug, unless that was it, waxing uh, waxing nostalgic? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, um, my, my note nug for this game, I, I feel like um, 
I'll go really big picture again too, because the wind has been recapped and it's it's something that sticks out in everybody's head. Um, and I know I've done this a few times this year, but I I couldn't help throughout parts of that game, um, but think about Matt Lafleur, how thankful I am for his approach to the game and how real um, I think the cultural shift um, in this coaching staff has really been, and um, I think it's just so evident in the way that they approach this game, attacking Aaron Donald, attacking the interior of that Rams defense. And I know that Aaron Donald was wearing military grade protection yeah. and his injury was probably really bad. And, um, you know, if it weren't a playoff game, maybe he's not suiting up for that, you know, or, or it, it certainly played a factor, but I, it's not a great, you know, it's not apples to apples. But for some reason, I found myself in that game thinking about when Mike McCarthy used to scheme away from Richard Sherman, when he used to basically sacrifice receivers entirely out of a game plan to hide from the other team's strength. And I just think in contrast, watching LaFleur attack a strength, but what was really a weakness of the supposed best defense in football made me so elated yeah, um, and really made it stick out like how different this version of the team of the, of the Packers is and how much it was, you know, needed for just that kind of cultural um, change that, that just, you know, that fresh blood. Yeah. Um, so it's obviously easy to say when you're going to the second straight championship game, but like there were so many moments in that game where the Packers felt like a bully and that's not, you know, they were, they were the bullied uh, under McCarthy in meaningful games. Yep. Um, you know, games with Super Bowls on the line yep. uh, throughout portions of his tenure. So that was really, really fun. And that, I think, more than anything, was one of my favorite things to enjoy about that game. Was like, we're the big dog. We're going to fucking punch you in the mouth. Like, I don't care that you're Aaron Donald. We're basically going to knock you out of the game and frustrate you. Yep. So, yep. Um, you know, and, and get in your head like that. That was sweet. Man. Yep. And we're going to have so fun, fun doing it and we're going to have fun on the sidelines. And it just seems like everyone is just just having a great time. Yeah, completely. You know, celebrating, making plays, doing the thing. Um, you know, that's that that's that thing that Rogers talks about very frequently in interviews. You know, it's the locker room, like yep. the state of the team, the mood in there. And it's clearly right. And now they're, you know, favored to to be going to the Super Bowl yep. as a result of it. Yep. All right, let's do some uh, listener note nugs at the APC pod on Twitter again. Uh, Steve tweeted at us after the game and said, next time on a bad snap for a field goal or a PAT, just eat it, man. Uh, so <laughs> J.K. Scott, if, if you remember, it was a bad snap from, I believe, Hunter Bradley and, and J.K. JK Scott um, makes the quick decision to flick it to the old man, uh, Mason Crosby, back there as if he was going to do anything with it. Instead, I, I think... Maybe I don't know if that was like Scott kind of basically being afraid for his life in that moment. <laughs> Could you blame him if he were? Uh, probably not. No, but I don't know. I just like maybe find a, someone downfield to try to chuck it to or just throw it away. I just felt like it was like not a nice thing to do to Mason Crosby, who got injured on that play, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Just curl up on the ground, you know. <laughs> Guys can fall on top of you, but the risk of injury in that scenario is probably way, way less. Uh, 2G tweets in, hey, can the Packers still bring Tyler Irvin back? I think technically they can. 
Um, but since we haven't heard anything about it, I'm assuming that's not going to happen. It's probably a long ways away. Yeah. Forgot about him a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I shouldn't have because every time I see Tavon Austin, uh, I get really nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Tyler Irvin, you are missed. Not Ryan tweets in and I'm going to try to emulate what I assume is his tone of voice in this tweet. Devonte is their only receiver. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Lazard, man, you, you called it. You, you said, you know, there's going to be a sneaky Lazard game. Um, I am a very stable genius. So it was, it was not so <laughs> sneaky. I would say, <laughs> Oh man, let's find, let's find one more here. Uh, to round it out and pj tweets in jair's swag is so pure it's like art and we've talked about this a couple times this season but um i don't know man i feel like maybe this was your note nugga last week or a couple weeks ago but just to have that guy that presence um not only his swag but to be able to back it up with his play on the field so solid just a portion of the field you don't have to worry about just feel it's just I know, man. Set it and forget it. It it makes watching this defense uh, run by the bozo Mike Patton much more tolerable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. In spite of his co his uh, coordinator, he's he's done some pretty incredible things. Did we have any Patton note nugs? <laughs> I don't think. I we- mean, just just like I, I'm sure it was talked about. Um, at some point on this platform, I didn't get to listen to the entire recap pod, but did we talk about the three man rush and Dean Lowry dropping into coverage and how many times we saw Preston Smith early in the game? Yeah, <laughs> we, we talked. Coverage? Yeah, we talked about oh, the Packers were lucky um, to basically not give up a, a big play with with Dean Lowry dropping into coverage for some reason. Uh, we also talked a bit about um, just the the concept that we're, we're lucky as fans that the, this defense actually is so talented that they are um, overcoming the fact that they've got bozo is the word that we use. It's actually Justice Mosqueda's word, <laughs> uh, overcoming the, the bozo who's calling the shots in Mike Patton. I think what makes it more frustrating, though, is that in that particular game against the Rams, um, from early on and the way it looked with them generating some pressure on golf and also golf's golf golf's health status. I, there's no reason you couldn't just line up and let your talent win. So like, why are you scheming these weird fucking coverages with these guys? Like, you know what I mean? Like I would get it if they had a huge talent deficiency to overcome in this particular game, they were clearly the more talented team and it was like one of those things, just like win your matchup, you know, don't overcomplicate it. And yeah. I felt like that was the route to success. And he almost derailed them. Um, but like you said, they they can overcome bad coaching as well. But against a different quarterback, I don't know if that's true, you know. Yep, totally agree. Um, but you know what? That was that was last week. Let's talk about next week. Um, and and to do that, um, we needed uh, someone smarter than us to, to hop on the call and tell us what's what. Maybe we've made a mistake. I don't know. We'll let him <laughs> let him decide <laughs> at Badger Noonan on Twitter. Um, podcasting uh, with the reporting as eligible podcast. It is Paul Noonan. How are you, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely, man. Um, so, all right. Um, I want to start with... Um, I don't know. I guess the 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 obvious. The Packers got their butts kicked 
um, the first time these two teams played. Um, and we actually got an email in uh, from a listener named Mario, and I thought he made an interesting point that kind of tra- may- maybe can help us transition from that game to this coming game. He says, um, to have any real chance, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers need to overwhelm the Packers' offensive line like they did in week six. Do we think that that is possible again? Um, Tampa Bay had uh, four sacks on Rodgers, a fifth if you count one on Tim Boyle. Um, Paul, <laughs> has anything changed in, in this dynamic? Is it going to be the same old story? What's your takeaway? So the main thing that the Packers have to do here is just learn from what happened before and do a little bit better job scouting. It's probably a good thing that they did have that game earlier and got to play it and have all that tape on what the Buccaneers did. Um, One thing I would recommend just checking out in terms of reading up on this game um, is actually in previewing the Rams game last week, Doug Farrar, who used to be football outsiders, touchdown wire, wrote a very in-depth piece about what the Carolina Panthers and the Buccaneers did last time to the Packers to make life so miserable for Aaron Rodgers, all about their disguised uh, coverages and their disguised pass rushes. Um, And it's really worth checking out. So this is really a coaching challenge and a quarterback challenge more than a physical challenge. The missing Bakhtiari, it's not great, but... They've been so good. Uh, That line is just so deep. It really hasn't lost anything, even though he's not there. That that's not really the problem. It really is just figuring out all of the tricks that Todd Bowles pulls, and um, making those diagnoses, and also dictating to them instead of letting the game instead of letting the game sort of come come to Rodgers. They did that very well against the Rams, and that's the biggest reason for optimism. They did a ton more pre-snap motion against Los Angeles than they did against Tampa. That allows Rodgers to see if it's owner man, to see um, who's got to stay in their spots for their designated blitz assignments. Um, Gives you a lot more information pre-snap than they got the first time around. So I'm more optimistic. That's really what's changed. Um, They've gotten a lot more creative, a lot better at making those pre-snap diagnoses, and I think they have a much better shot because of it. Um, other than that, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of difference. There's one other big thing, which is Alan Lazard um, and maybe Vita Vey, which we can talk about a little bit later. But uh, the, the main thing here, this is this is totally uh, a war of of brains. Uh, this is Matt LaFleur versus Todd Bowles and Mike Patton versus, well, Tom Brady, really, because he's taken over that offense. So that, that's where they stand here. Patton versus Brady, huh? <laughs> yep. I know it's it's depressing when you put it that way. It really is. Um, but McVay versus Petten's depressing too. And that, that worked out. Okay. So hopefully it'll be all right. Yeah. I, I, I just, it's a little different with the quarterback that's, uh, pulling the strings with golf. I just said, I, I was talking, we were talking earlier in part one of this podcast. Like I think the biggest frustration for me, and I don't know if you would agree, Paul with Petten and getting cute with the three man rush and Lowry dropping to coverage and being Preston Smith at times. It's like, that was clearly a game. The Packers could let their talent win. I don't know if you feel that way uh, on that side of the ball for the Packers this time with the Bucks offense, um, or if you feel like you know Petten is going to have to be counted on to kind of out scheme anybody. He he, do, he does, and that's the scariest part of the game because Mike Petten's entire philosophy is a philosophy that Tom Brady just eats for breakfast every morning, um, <laughs> and, oh, and yeah, it, it is that that shell um, that. Uh, that make you, you know, the philosophy of making you get on the field, run a lot of plays, um, counting on there to be mistakes, the more plays that you make a team run. Um, and that's kind of the bend, but don't break thing. And then, you know, the defense compresses, you get close to the goal line, it gets easier to play defense. But Tom Brady doesn't work that way. Tom Brady's entire career is being the most accurate short to medium passer of all time. And he will absolutely just ding you to death if you let him. And so Petten can't do that. Now, um, 
the good thing is that he's gotten away from those tendencies a bit. There were a couple of drives in, in the last game um, coming out of the half, especially where Pettin got back to his old stupid ways and they got eaten up by Jared Goff. It's not good. But they also played quite a bit of press, man. That's what you need. Uh, the, the recipe for Brady is very simple. Um, press his receivers, um, cover them early in the down, make him wait, and let the pass rush get to him and hit him. That's how you beat him. Do anything other than that, and he will totally destroy you. And there's a chance Patton will screw this up. I mean, he's not a great defensive coordinator, so he's the biggest risk here for sure. Um, but the, the, re- the, the book on Brady is just not that hard. It, it's not complicated. So as long as they're halfway decent scouting this, they should be okay. It, their running game is bad. Um, their quarterback doesn't like to throw deep, doesn't like to wait to get the ball out. And there's only one thing you got to figure out. So hopefully they can manage that. Yeah, I, I like the way you classified this game as a, a coaching challenge. Um, I'm wondering, you know, just kind of looking back on the two seasons of LaFleur so far, um, other than the games very specifically recently that you mentioned, like when else has he lost a coaching challenge? Like, do you count the NFC Championship game last year as a coaching challenge? Because that to me was just like maybe a physical challenge and a team that was just overwhelmed physically. That was still a challenge and he did lose that one. Jenny has outdone him a few times. Um, not this year, though. I know the, the Niners were completely underwhelmed in that game with COVID and with injuries. So I would not count it against Shanahan too much, but they played the 49ers twice last year. They didn't make any alterations to their game plan the second time around. And maybe they wouldn't have won that game. Anyway, the 49ers were outstanding, but there is a, there's a way to attack that team, even when they're fully healthy. And that is to attack Richard Sherman deep where he's not great. um, And not spend a lot of time running the ball, not checking down, by the way, the Buccaneers, if you want to be scared, they're very similar to that 49er defense where their inside linebackers east to east and west are just incredibly fast. And so anytime you throw any kind of check down or short pass, you're not going to be able to get much yak. They're great at tackling. I think that they're the best team on preventing yak by a yard and a half if memory serves. Um, and you just can't run your offense that way. You, you have to attack deep on this team, much like the 49ers, deep left uh, in the uh, for for the Tampa Bay, deep left is where you want to hit them. It's where they're weakest. Um, a lot of that is because Levante David is better in pass coverage on the right side, makes life easier on safety and corner over on that side. Left side has Devin White, who is very good at going forward, but not as good at going backwards. And uh, that's that's the place to hit them. So um, you have to be more aggressive. You can't do all that checking down stuff. If you guys remember the first game, one of the first passes that Aaron threw was uh, one of those stupid bubble screens to Devontae Adams. And whatever Tampa corner was in coverage, almost picked it off and pick sixed it there. Um, and they do that a lot. You just cannot go short on them. You, you've got to push it down. So that's that, that's that's the MO for how you attack them. And hopefully they actually do it. Um, <laughs> remains to be seen. It's a spot where they've been weak sometimes. They like the, those safe, easy passes so much. Um, but, 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 but. LaFleur has been better about attacking down the field than Rodgers has to when the when the, the scheme has called for it lately. So I'm uh, cautiously optimistic there, too. I think that um, in the Packers playbook, it's actually called stupid bubble screen. <laughs> it really should be. It It's awful. I, earlier this year, I charted all the bubble screens that they throw, and uh, th- they're by far the least EPA per play passing play that they run. Um, either the bubble screen or just the throw it to the guy because he's being played off. Th- those are awful. They're like, um, about a quarter as valuable as any other play, except for slant, um, because their slants have been disasters. Um, they only ran four this, actually five. They ran one um, not that long ago, but interception, fumble, um, two incompletions on slants this year. So, um, but other bubble screens are terrible. Can't do it against this team for sure. They'd be a dream if you could do it against a Mike Pettin defense. 
Um, <laughs> Other, that's probably why they run on so many of them. In practice, they probably work great. Yeah, they're probably like, <laughs> oh, yeah, they're going to line up 12 yards up the ball. Uh, then, then we'll just do this. Uh, um, not to get too in the weeds, but uh, Paul, you mentioned EPA per play. Uh, for those in the uh, in our listenership who actually don't know what that means, because it's it's one of the wonkier stats, can you walk us through that briefly? Yeah, no problem. So, um, for any any sort of game situation on the field, like if it's third and ten at midfield or first and two at the other team, first and goal from the two yard line. Um, just because we've had so much football over the course of history, we can tell by kind of taking the average of all those situations, how many points you would be expected to score on that drive going forward from that situation. Um, doing so, we can then take the next play and whatever you do on that play and figure out if you did better than expected or worse than expected. Um, and add all that up over time. And you can tell which offenses are sort of beating their expectations, beating their average um, or under like underwhelming their expectations. Um, and we've learned a whole bunch of other stuff from EPA too, like just that the running plays are generally less efficient than passing plays yeah. um, and, you know, things like that. So um, it's a stat that's tracked for every NFL game. We have good models for it. Um, if you want to actually look at it yourself anytime during, during a game, it's updated live at um, RB SDM, which is Ben Baldwin's site. It stands for running backs. Don't matter if you want to re- remember what that is. <laughs> Um, and it updates in real time, so you can see um, on an EPA basis what was a good play and what was a bad play, and um, you know whether you're closer to scoring or less good at possibly scoring now. I'm sure Rob Domofsky is checking that every second of every game. <laughs> uh, he is uh, he, he, he is uh, a, a just a contradiction that guy because he has to he has to tout all the ESPN stats, many of which are advanced stats too, and I'm sure he doesn't like those, but. Uh, yeah, he's not a big EPA DVOA guy. <laughs> well, we, we have shirts available, by the way, at Acme Packing Company. Um, <laughs> Dork's Value Only Analytics. <laughs> We're a dork-friendly uh, podcast, a dork-friendly blog. Um, I do want to talk about Tom Brady here for a, a second. You 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 mentioned him a little bit, but um, have you watched much Tom Brady this year or in this postseason? Kind of like fluffy storylines aside, what do you think about his abilities at this point? So I would like to say he's declined, but he's still really good. Yeah. And he feuded with Arians earlier this year. Um, Bruce Arians, by the way, the head coach of Tampa Bay, likes a deep passing game. He likes deep drops. He likes to buy his quarterback's time and throw it on the field. That's what he's always kind of done. Bruce Arian quarterbacks tend to take a lot of hits. And I think that that was the driving force behind changing the offense more than Brady not being able to execute on that because he still throws a halfway decent deep ball. It's not what it used to be, but um, his receivers are good at catching deep balls, and he's fine when called on to do so. But the offense has changed pretty drastically since earlier in the season. It's much more of a short-medium game now, um, all the more reason to be aggressive on them. And he still executes at a really high level. He's still finished, I think, top five in DVOA. Um, it's hard to knock him for anything. He looks basically like the same old Tom Brady now that he's on a better team with better skill position around him. So... Uh, this isn't a Drew Brees situation where he's cooked. He's not, and you can't count on him being cooked to beat him. Uh, the, the only thing, he's never been a mobile guy, but he's much less mobile than he used to be. And that's the one thing you can say about him. Um, also, that's it's good for the Packers. It lets you play man without the fear of you know a Josh Allen running it up the middle for 20 yards every time you turn your back on him. Um, th- that's the one thing about Brady. He'll, he'll get you one yard on a sneak, but other than that, he's standing in that pocket and taking hits. So, 
but he's good. He's bad. It's unfortunate, but he's still really good. I don't know how he <laughs> it's does. It's unfortunate, it. but he's still yeah. really good. <laughs> it is. No one likes Tom Brady. It is unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think there would be nothing more gratifying than ending his season, and then I guess it wouldn't be his career, but um, maybe his like competitive career, assuming that the Bucks don't get back to where they are right now. Um, because I'm pretty shocked that they're there to begin with. Um, I wanted to ask you about, you know, just looking back on that first game, I know you kind of detailed a lot of the, you know, like where the Bucks did really well. But my recollection, which is hazy because I ended up getting really drunk and just trying to forget it, <laughs> um, is also that just it was all it was very much one of those games where a ton of things that are, you know, don't usually go wrong for Green Bay went wrong. Like if you play that game 10 times, like I don't know that coaching aside, like the Packers turning the ball over. Um, I, I guess I'm just heartened if I'm looking for reasons to feel good about the fact that last year against the Niners, it felt like we were hoping against hope that they could somehow like pull off some miracle against a clearly better team where in this game, they got their asses kicked in the regular season and they're still favored. You know, they're home, which I think plays a big part of it too, but it's still an upset if the Bucks win. Um, which makes me feel like a certain way about the first game when they played, like maybe that was the best Bucks game that you're going to get all year. I think there's a lot that goes into that. Uh, for, uh, the, the big one, it was at home. Home field advantage hasn't been huge in the league this year, but I do think it helped them. It was 88 degrees that day. It was actually kind of a, a, a bad weather game if you're the Packers. And the Packers did not have a good receiving core. Um, Tyler Irvin, who's still out, was out for that game. Um, Darius Shepard actually caught a lot of balls in that game, which is not good. You'll note he's not on the team anymore, and for good reason. Um, Alan Lazard was out in that game. And the main reason they lost that game, now they were cooking. They were up 10 nothing, and Aaron threw that pick six. And we shouldn't say that that was entirely lucky. That was a great play call by Tampa Bay. They disguised their coverage very well. Aaron went to his hot route, and his hot route was very, very covered. He didn't see a backside blitz coming, and he had to get it out fast. So the Buccaneers made that play happen. But what happened after that, is a different story. And Rodgers wasn't sacked before that pick six. After that, he stopped trusting his reads. Um, they really did confuse him, and he, and he turned into a see-it-throw-it passer, which is a bad habit he's gotten into in the old McCarthy times. Um, so that was partially the Buccaneers. That was partially, they took away a lot of what he um, thought he was seeing. They started to get pressure on him when he started holding the ball to actually see what was going on in front of him. Um, but a lot of that's driven by the fact that his receiving core was decimated in that game, too. Uh, he, uh, having Lazard back is huge. Uh, like uh, MVS also wasn't uh, MVS has gotten better since that game. And in that game, he was, he was still trash MVS. He was still tons of drops, can't run regular routes. And, you know, if you only have to take away a deep guy, that's all you do. So they, they doubled Adams. They took away his safety net. And that's why guys like Darius Shepard caught passes in that game. And Equinemia uh, St. Brown had two. Malik Taylor caught two passes in that game. Having Lazard there, having MVS be a more competent receiver, gives him a lot more outlets to dump the ball off to when things get get squishy on, on in this game. And also, Alan Lazard is a huge mismatch for their slot corner, um, Sean. Shoot, I forgot his name. I forgot the last name, Sean. Um, he's much larger. He'll be able to maul him and run. Um, it, it, when they run the ball, he is going to be a tough big slot cover there. So he really does help a lot. And you need depth at receiver to beat this team. They didn't have it the first time around. That's the biggest thing they have going for him. Um, the Bucks get Vita Vey back. They activated him this week. And that is unfortunate because a lot of teams have had success running against the Buccaneers, going kind of north-south power running lately. Um, and that's because Vey is not there. Like You can't run outside on the Bucs. The, their linebackers are too fast. 
but you could bully him. And I'm not if he's back and healthy. I, I literally wouldn't call a running play in this entire game. And I know you guys know me, and I would never I would never call a running play. But I would especially not call a running play in this game. There's really no point to it other than killing clock. So, um, But Lazard's huge. Uh, and, you know, you saw what he can do last week if you get him matched up with the right, the right defender. Um, having him back is going to be bigger than people think. So a- anticipatory coaching adjustments, do you think that the plays will be there to be made for Lazard? Or do you think that... They're not going to be able to, you know, overcompensate for Adams and that Adams could also just have a very Devontae Adams day. Uh, I think it'll be more of that. Adams will be able to spring himself more wide open because of Lazard being there. Um, Lazard's a tough matchup for kind of all of their corners just because of his size. And if they want, here's the thing. They like to move Devontae to the slot to spring him. And if Sean Murphy bunting, if they have Sean Murphy bunting on on Adams, he'll, he'll catch the ball all day. That's a terrible matchup for the Buccaneers. Um, if they want to have Carlton Davis follow Adams, which they did a lot in the first game because there was no one to capitalize on it, um, then you have Lazard out wide with Sean Murphy bunting, which is awful, or MVS out wide with Sean Murphy bunting, which is awful for completely different reasons because he's <laughs> going to get torched deep. So it, it, you can see the matchup problems it creates. In, in the last time they played him, it was Darius Shepard going out wide and matching up with you know off corners. And who cares? Um, that, that's just not a tough assignment for anybody. So it should help the wide receiving core across the board that they have all the steps there. So different matchups this time around. You sound pretty optimistic as we uh, as we wind down here. What's your? Uh, do you have a prediction? Do you not like to do that? No, I do, and I got to make my predictions for the site anyway. But I'm I've been going back and forth, and I'm really not sure on this one. Uh, the one stat that keeps bothering me is that um, so the Bucks lost five times this season. In four of those. Tom Brady had two or more picks and that seems to be the only way they really lose. The other one, by the way, was the bears got him 2019. Really solid defense, which is insane. I can't believe that happened. Nick Foles is better than Mitch Trubisky. Um, but I think the Packers will win and I'm probably going to take them. Um, I've looked at the spread. I assume it's small, but um, I, I'm not sure about covering, but I think they'll pull this off. I, I like where they are. I like their uh, offense usually beats defense. Um, especially in the playoffs, the, the Rams defense is on the on the whole probably better than the Buccaneers defense. And if Vay's back, this may change things a little bit here, but I, I do like the Packers at home uh, with Brady being an old man in the cold um, a, a little bit better. But you know what? I wouldn't bet any money on this game ever. It's it should be a close <laughs> one. Yeah, a three point spread, I believe. Maybe it's three and a half at this point because it's been fluctuating. But if would you like them to cover the field goal then? <laughs> well if they have a kicker yes i guess i do <laughs> yeah <laughs> thanks jk yeah at badger noonan on twitter the reporting as eligible podcast any other fun stuff you want to plug um uh, i'll have something up on the referees for the site in the not too distant future awesome um and i wrote my preview for the shepherd express that should be going up um, later tonight as well so um and reporting as eligible will be out tomorrow if you want to hear um, more nerdy stuff, basically. So, <laughs> Hashtag more nerdy stuff. Uh, fellow dork, Paul Noonan, thank you for, for joining us. Really appreciate it. <laughs> yep, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks. All right. Huge thanks once again to uh, Paul Badger Noonan, at Badger Noonan uh, on Twitter, our uh, wonderful friend, fellow contributor over at acmepackingcompany.com. Always a joy. Super smart guy. He's a guy, um, Alex, that 
Um, when we were trying to get ready for this episode, I think I said something to you like, he's just like really smart and has opinions. So we can just lob a few questions at him and he will like fill our podcast with the information that our listeners need. <laughs> yeah, completely. I'm I, After doing that, I'm sad we didn't uh, get to talk to him a little bit more this season. Uh, I feel like we would have been a much more enlightened podcast, but um, I don't know about you. I, I feel like my takeaway is that um, I'm more hopeful hearing someone like, who, who analyzes football the way he does also think that the Packers are, are going to win this game. And it's not just me being like, I'm betting on the Packers and I hope they win. Like, yeah. You know, I wouldn't um, say that he's typically negative. I would say that he's, uh, typically, uh, pragmatically, uh, under optimistic. And so to, yes. to hear him feel like this is a, a very practically possible for the Packers to, to win this one makes me feel good. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I'm uh I'm amped up about it, man. Another championship game. It's uh man, it's gonna be fun. Yeah. The the last few were pretty heartbreaking. <laughs> yep, and uh, this one is at Lambeau Field as we hit the polka. And um, Alex, you and I talked about uh, superstition and and jinxing, and so I think I'm gonna have to get the same spread I had last time: some port wine cheese, some brats. Uh, a, yeah. a local Mexican lager uh, was my jam, and um, yeah, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to do the same thing too. Yeah, and I, I certainly will. I certainly will. You did a good job on those brats, by the way, man. Thank you. Yeah, I got one of those uh, mid stove griddle things, so I did the beer boil and then gave them a little a little mock grill action. Turned out great. Wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> you made the most of it. Enjoy it, man. It's gonna be fun. Can't wait to talk about it. Same to you. Um, yeah, everyone out there, uh, enjoy as well this weekend. Um, soak it in. Don't take it for granted. Special teams, special times, uh, a weird year, and we get to keep watching playoff football, keep watching um, elite Aaron Rodgers, which is not something that we thought would still be possible. So, yeah, enjoy. Hopefully they'll win. But uh, most of all, just, yeah, enjoy it. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.